Welcome to Food and Loathing, the podcast that spends all year reminding Las Vegas foodies why they should be thankful to live in one of the most delicious cities on earth. your host Al Mancini and I'm thankful for a lot of things on this holiday including the fact that I'm able to do things I really love like make this podcast every week but after the past two years I'm even more thankful that I am once again able to be with the people that I love for the holiday which is why I'm currently in Palm Springs with my family in order to do that and be there we've decided to do something special on this episode We're not going to share any news or reports from the restaurants we visited. We'll get back to that next week. Today, however, some members of the local F&B community are going to share their favorite Thanksgiving stories with you. To start things off, let's hear from Chef Justin Kingsley Hall of Main Street Provisions and Peyote. Justin's story is a great reminder of the brave and dedicated members of the military who are not with their families this Thanksgiving because they're protecting our ability to be with our own. The men and women of Nellis Air Force Base are such a vital part of this community. I thought of them and how grateful I am for their service and sacrifice when Justin told me his story. Probably one of my favorite Thanksgiving experiences was when I was uh, was 19 years old, um, serving in the Army, 82nd Airborne. and um, I was an infantry soldier at the time, which infantry tends to be a pretty strong pack. You know, we, we work crazy hours together, the expectation and stress is high. Um, so it's a, it's a close-knit family, you know, just like the military is, but I feel like the infantry even takes it a step further. Um, you know, but I was away from home, and growing up, we always had, we had Thanksgiving at a uh, family's house, and we had, you know, 20 of us or so would be there. Um, same thing kind of every year, so I was always used to this big gathering, and now I was away from home, um, you know, it was a different experience and, you know, it was a couple, a couple Thanksgivings now. One I was in basic training for, the other one I was gone to. And so it was not having that experience of everybody being around. Uh, and, you know, we were coming up on Thanksgiving and one of my, one of my buddies, uh, John and his wife, um, a couple of Cajuns from uh, Lafayette, Louisiana had their family coming into town and they offered to open up their home to everybody you know that had nowhere to go um no family around so a big group of us went over for thanksgiving and it was it was a completely different experience because they were making gumbo a turkey gumbo for thanksgiving and that was my first experience having gumbo which i don't think there's a better one to have other than somebody's family home and it being made by some cajuns and the experience that goes on with everybody sitting around the pot as this continues to cook drinking beer together um, so it was, it was just the perfect, perfect experience. And I had heard about gumbo and always wanted to try it. Um, and here it was in front of me. And so we, we talked about home and family and everybody connected. And it turned out that, um, his, uh, brother-in-law was going to college and actually my hometown. So, you know, we kind of discovered there was this connection and got to chatting about home, which was a great kind of moment to reminisce and, and connect with that. Um, but it was, it was this beautiful experience and those kind of continued through the holidays and times with each other. Um, but later on in life, it was always thinking back to that memory. And I've always looked at Thanksgiving as not being a family holiday, you know, family, it it can be, but you know, it's just spending time with whoever and whatever the group may be and letting it grow bigger and bigger. And I'm not one to, you know, say no to 
somebody that needs someplace to go. And, you know, if we have 20 people show up the house, you know, we can, we can always make it bigger. And so there's been times over life where, you know, I've, I've made that turkey gumbo uh, myself um, once for my family when my sister was living up in Tahoe and, you know, a couple times uh, later on in life. And now it's become this great thing, especially of making gumbo, but Thanksgiving of connecting people and getting around with friends that as I look at the next Thanksgiving coming, we're already talking about, you know, my brother and his wife, uh, my sister-in-law and her, uh, her daughter and boyfriend, um, friends, Dave and Jolene and, you know, packing over house that we're having this big, uh, crab shrimp boil and everything. Um, you know, and everybody just starts thinking about the stuff, the potluck that they want to create. Uh, so that's just, you know, what Thanksgiving has been for me is that, um, you know, it's a chance that strangers and, you know, friends and everybody just becomes kind of family. Um, and you sit around, kind of wait for everything to cook. Uh, I always thought it was really interesting that people, I'd hear these stories and at, growing up, it was like Thanksgiving always took like an entire day to cook. I don't know why, but everybody was in the kitchen for like umpteen hours and they had to start the turkey at 7am. And I've made traditional Thanksgiving dinners over the year. And I was like, yeah, I realize I'm a chef and I do these things, but I was like, it's like three, four hours. It's done. Feed a bunch of people. Um, so that never made sense. But this experience, uh, of the turkey gumbo, of the boils and everything like that, that all made sense because, you know, you just want to get up in the morning, get started, turn on some music, you know, open a, a bottle of wine and crack a beer and get the fire going, get, you know, get everything heated up and spend the entire day snacking away and talking and just sitting in the backyard. And it's that moment to... Uh, to just not care about anything else. There's no responsibilities. There's no emails to be read. There's no calls to be answered. There's no expectation that the linens have to look perfect and the glassware all has to match. Uh, if the glassware all does match, I'm actually saddened. I was like, no, I want some <laughs> weird quirky glass. Or, you know, it's like that moment in um, uh, Indiana Jones when he's trying to pick out the uh, the Holy Grail and choosing the cup. And it's like, choose wisely. You know, I was like, I want, I want decisions, you know, who's got the best chalice to drink out of this year. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that was, that was my experience in life. And that, that Thanksgiving, that particular one, uh, with my army buddies, uh, and especially this year, you know, over the past, uh, past couple of years, lost a few, uh, a few old friends, um, to suicide and, and health issues and stuff. And so we've all been kind of connecting lately. So that memory is really holding strong this Thanksgiving. Um, as you bring up that, that gumbo, I'm curious, have you ever had the chance to put that on the menu at any of your restaurants? And can we have that, that gumbo? Or is that something you keep for friends and family in your private life? Um, I don't know. I, I find it hard to put gumbo on the menu um, only because just like making salsa, like I don't want a recipe for it. And I don't want, you know, I, I did the quail gumbo at Main Street, which was like completely, it was just an inspiration of gumbo. It wasn't traditional. Um, but I want it to be different every time. Use a different amount of bones and kind of bones and to make the stock and the, everything you throw into it. Um, you know, there's this expectation that your friend tasted this gumbo, he told you about it, and a month later you're going to come in and you're expecting the same thing. And with a dish like that, that's just not what I want it to be. So when we do events, when we do um, parties and, you know, pop-ups, uh, I love to make gumbos then. It's a ton of fun. Um, but it's, it can be whatever it wants to be for that season, that day, um, that weekend. So that, that I kind of save for those moments. So if you look out, you yeah. may see a pop-up come that mentions gumbo and, and we can have it. But, uh, but for now I'm, I'm not putting it on a menu. Okay. 
So I'm hoping that people are listening to this on Thanksgiving as they're getting ready for their own Thanksgiving, whatever that may be. But when that wraps up for them, um, do you do any of your restaurants have anything planned for the Friday, Saturday, Sunday after Thanksgiving? Anything special that we should let people know about as they wind down from their holiday? Um, you know, Main Street Provisions, we're planning to uh, set up a, a secret burger Thanksgiving package for people. Um, it, but as far as like after Thanksgiving, uh, we're just planning to, to be open, give place, you know, places for people to go. They don't want to worry about dishes anymore and the expectation of cooking. So, you know, the doors are just open. Um, you know, we like to give the staff that time off to, to go do what they want for their, their holiday. Um, but yeah, we just open doors, warm food, good drinks. It's been a crazy couple of years. I'm asking everybody the same question, um, and it's a pretty predictable one. What are you thankful for this year? <laughs> uh, I'm thankful for uh, my community here. Um, I've been dealing with a lot of health issues, and the people that have uh, checked in on me, um, brought me an ice pack, uh, donated a, a float, a health float to me, um, has been absolutely, absolutely uh, humbling and, and filled me with a, a lot of joy when uh, at times it's kind of hard. So I'm, I'm thankful for the community here. Okay, I can only hope that everyone serving in our military this holiday is able to make memories as cool as Justin's. And thank you again for your service. Next up, Elizabeth Blau has a story that might put you at ease if you're a little nervous about a disaster in the kitchen this year. Elizabeth, of course, is a top international restaurant consultant, an author, and the creator of Honey Salt and Buddy V's here in Las Vegas. But to understand this story, you should know that she helped open Bellagio, along with Chef Grant McPherson, who is mentioned in this story. And at the time, the pioneering French chef, Jean-Louis Paladin, operated a restaurant in the Rio. With that intro, I'll leave the story to Elizabeth. So I love Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is really one of my favorite holidays because... To me, I won't get into the politics or the Mayflower or, you know, or the Native Americans, but to me, it's a holiday that celebrates family and food. And so preparing a menu and assembling a group of friends, um, to me, is what makes it a magical holiday. And so many years ago, when I first came to Las Vegas, so I would have to say it's about at least 20 years ago. I was not going to go back to my home in Connecticut for Thanksgiving. And so it was really a Friendsgiving here in, in Las Vegas. And so um, Grant McPherson and I put together um, a really fun group of people that um, included Kevin Stussy. Um, but really our, our guest of honor was um, Jean-Louis Paladin. And obviously Jean-Louis had been in... America for many years, so had had definitely celebrated Thanksgiving, but um, turkey and and the sides and the stuffings are certainly not you know something intuitive to a native uh, Frenchman. But um, he embraced the the holiday wholeheartedly, and he took over the mashed potatoes. And clearly, Jean Louis came from the. Um, uh, Robichon school of um, of butter with a side of mashed potato, and so I just kept watching, you know, stick after stick of of butter being um, melted to go into these mashed potatoes. They were clearly 
um, some of the best mashed potatoes that um, I had ever had. And so everybody had their, their different role in Thanksgiving. And I think this year we had three turkeys. So my grandmother, Rose, was the one that really kind of started our classic family turkey recipe, which is a garlic powder, um, not brined, uh, garlic powder, salt, pepper, um, but the secret is really a great quality Hungarian paprika. And so um, we take and render the chicken fat and, and make a paste and you know rub this inside and outside and cover the pan and apples and um, onions and just slow roasted and you know lots of, of basting. But the stuffing um, is a classic combination of a Pepperidge Farm white bread, which is kind of hard to get Pepperidge Farm here. It's definitely an East Coast thing. And a big box of cornflakes. And then of course, um, garlic and mushrooms and, and onions, but it's a really, um, you know, plain Jane stuffing, but it's, it's our family's classic. So that was the one turkey. And of course, Grant having to, um, you know, express his passion and love for, you know, his, his time working around the world, decided he was going to make a tandoori turkey. So we said, um, okay. And so the third turkey in this triumvirate, um, Kevin Stussy decided that we were going to um, try our first deep fried turkey. Now you have to remember this is, you know, now deep fried turkeys are all the vogue, um, but this is before it was really a cool thing. So, you know, we went to the hardware store and, you know, got the big, you know, frying equipment for it. And um, Jean-Louis decided that, you know, he was going to, um, uh, sous chef Kevin in this endeavor because he just thought that this idea of deep frying a turkey. So the two of them decided that um, what now we understand is the cardinal sin, but um, they decided to marinate this turkey with all kinds of, I mean, it looked like it was going to be um, amazing and it looked beautiful as it was dropped into this vat of, of boiling oil. And you know, we were all um, watching and waiting in anticipation. And um, probably the most hilarious thing I've ever seen is they take off the cover and they take this thing out. And I'm sure you know this, Al, but if you put any liquid or brine a deep fried turkey, it basically turns black. And so this thing came out and I mean, it looked like, you know, I don't even want to say a barbecue. It looked like some kind of Cajun blackened <laughs> atrocity. Oh, man. Um, and Jean-Louis, and I, you know, I can't do his accent, but like, what is this? This is disgusting. <laughs> what, what is this thing? And, but he, he takes the turkey and he carves it. And despite the, um, the blackened, charred, horrible exterior and look of this thing, you know, as you cut into it, it was still this like incredibly moist, juicy, um, flavorful, incredible turkey. But um, for years and years, um, you know, there was endless jokes. I mean, also stemming from Grant's tandoori turkey, but really stemming <laughs> from this um, uh, Kevin Stussy Paladin uh, blackened turkey creation. And so... In the years, we have perfected our, our, our turkeys, and we know that you can only put a dry rub if you really put anything on them. And uh, you also need to um, 
do this endeavor far away from your garage because we we have had the exploding where you know you put too big of a turkey in and the oil comes out and and causes a minor explosion some people have caused major explosions luckily ours was was contained it's also an endeavor that you um you know, might want to keep a fire extinguisher nearby. But um, in the past years, um, inspired by Bill Macbeth's Instagram, uh, we saw a um, a new use, and it's a deep fried prime rib. And it, you know, is the same kind of idea. The whole outside of the the prime rib gets all like a crackly, delicious, you know, kind of crust to it. But the meat inside. Um, so on on occasion, we now um, in honor of Jean Louis Paladin and that extraordinary Thanksgiving, we we do sometimes um, do the turkey and uh, and also have added. The, the prime rib to to that repertoire so well that's awesome um this has been a crazy year on the tail of a, another crazy year what are you thankful for this year oh my goodness well first and foremost i'm thankful for our las vegas community um this has been home for over 23 years and i've got to say um during this pandemic i have never been more proud of our community, but really also our incredible restaurant community, the chefs and restaurateurs that um, gave in so many ways. Kelly Jones started an incredible initiative, Mark Marone and Graffiti Bow and, um, and, and Jeffrey uh, with Valencia Gold and, and the Jolt, you know, all coming together with Honey Salt to do Delivering with Dignity, all of the incredible work that Three Square has done in the, in the community. And so I am, I'm thankful to live here and I'm thankful for my Honey Salt and our Buddy V's and our, our Blau and Associates families. And now you know why I don't usually make Thanksgiving dinner. I mean, hell, if that group couldn't figure it out, I have no chance. And honestly, I do have a good story about one of the times Sue and I tried. It's hysterical. And if I have time, maybe I'll get to that later. But in general, I prefer to let other people cook for me on Thanksgiving. So if you're in the restaurant biz, you are a lifesaver for me and a lot of people like me every year. But I have to imagine there's a lot of pressure in that as well. I mean, what happens if you screw up or run out of turkey? Yeah, I said that, run out of turkey. And that's my cue for our chat with Bruce Coleman of Soul Belly Barbecue. Last year, we were doing our pop-ups with Secret Burger and decided it would be a great idea to go through Secret Burger and do Thanksgiving meals. So we set it up, and we ended up selling 270 meals. And... Um, <laughs> And we had a very adventurous menu, a very aggressive menu. We made our own like maple marshmallows for the for the sweet potatoes. We made our tobacco onions for the uh, the green bean casserole. There was just so many moving parts in this thing. And I also thought it would be a great idea to do, hey, you can have it for one or two or four or ten people, however you want. We'll package it up. Great idea. So... Needless to say, we spent uh, two solid days of prep, and then the day of, we were at Vegas Test Kitchen prepping all this stuff. We had a smoker going over here by Soul Belly, full of turkeys, going back, running back and forth and back and forth to get everything over there. Long story short, it turned into a 24 to 28-hour project. Like, we were there all night, overnight, um and prepped everything and somehow like i mean people were there i think we started 
pick up at like 9 a.m. Mm -hmm. So we had to have like not only everything prepped, but everything packed for like one person, two people, five people, four people. It, it was not, it, I mean, people loved it. It was great for them and it sucked for us. And, um, and then I think the best part of it all was uh, I sat down with Jolene and we said, okay, we have X number of, of orders. It was the day before and somehow we forgot to turn off the sales and a couple other orders had come in and we didn't realize it. And then we were done. We were serving everything. We sold everything. It was all gone. And then all of a sudden, these people come to pick up food. We have no turkey. Oh, man. Yeah. And I felt like a total piece of shit. I mean, like, I'm like, what am I going to do? Well, we, well, we were there, too, because we didn't have a home at the time. We were prepping. So I, I was making, like, green chili stew and all this other stuff. Collard greens, like, getting ready for the next week's pop-ups. And so uh, these people come as a young couple with a baby, and I'm like, great, you know, we're gonna ruin their first fucking Thanksgiving with their kid. And um, I'm like, listen, I'm like, I am so sorry, I don't have any turkey, and but I can put something nice together for you. I, I will do what I can, and and I'm not gonna charge you. And they got it. I let it. I let it be for a couple of days, and then I followed up, and they were like, the, their response was. So we're never going to have turkey for Thanksgiving again because that fucking stew is so damn good and you need to make it for us next year. And, and that was like the end of, you know, this 28-hour stretch of no sleep, being up all night and, and packing up all this food. So that's my story. Well, that's awesome. I love it. Can I come in and get that stew this year or maybe the weekend after Thanksgiving? <laughs> Possibly, maybe a couple weekends after Thanksgiving. <laughs> but yeah, we're gonna have, uh, we're gonna do it's a it's a green chili stew. I when I used to live in Santa Fe, it's called Hangover Stew, and it's like green chili, pork, um, potatoes. It's brothy, it's bright, it's spicy, it's so good. And and so we started serving at the pop up. So yeah, we're, probably in a, about two or three weeks, we're gonna start serving that as well here. Cool. What do you have for Thanksgiving dinner? Do you do a traditional Thanksgiving dinner? And what did you do that year? So for Thanksgiving, I mean, I, I love turkey and, and stuffing and all of that. You know, it's just, it reminds me of, of being with my family. And, you know, it for me, like my Thanksgiving anyway, has to be like stovetop stuffing. It, you know, it just has to be those things. I, I, I can't explain why. And... You know, that, that's typically what I do. And last year, I packed up an extra bit of food, but obviously had no more turkey. So <laughs> I, I had stopped at the store and gotten a chicken, you know, for my, for my family. But um, so we had that going for us. Um, but this year, uh, we're still going to have, we ha still have our meals, but it's going to, it's much more simplified. <laughs> It'll be great. And what are you thankful for this year, 2021? It's been a crazy year. It's been a crazy year. You know, I'm thankful that my family is, is good and healthy. Uh, very thankful for my son and my wife. And, um, you know, they're my rock. And thankful that So Belly is still standing. You know, we're seven months in and I have an amazing team here. Next up, our friend Corey Harwell of Carson Kitchen has a story that might resonate with people who are trying to pull together a huge Thanksgiving meal with the kids running around, getting in the way, or making a mess. Thanksgiving just makes me think uh, of family, obviously, as it does for all of us. And, and my greatest 
Uh, I think funniest and, and most memorable Thanksgiving story, I was about eight or nine years old. Uh, we lived in a split level, kind of a tri-level home in a small town, Georgia, and we had all of our family over. And I think my grandmother, my mom, uh, an aunt or two were all in the kitchen, literally from Wednesday cooking through the night the next day, the turkeys cook. I mean, it took them what seemed like probably 18 hours to, to prep and create this incredible meal. Um, and of course, when you have a big family get together, they always like let everybody go by age. So, you know, my mom stands up in the kitchen. She's like, okay, uh, everybody 50 and up, you can go first through the family buffet line. And, you know, here I am at eight or nine, I have to go last. And the rest of the family... And there's literally probably 40 people having Thanksgiving dinner together. I mean, it was a big gathering. Um, and I'm last in line as the youngest of my generation. And I get this giant plate of food. And, and again, as an eight-year-old, I was not a small kid, but I wasn't a big kid. But I had the appetite of all appetites on this Thanksgiving. And I get this plate of food, and it's got everything. I mean, I've got turkey and dressing. I've got ham. I've got mac and cheese. I've got the green bean casserole with the French's onions on top, the old school kind of, you know, white trash southern green bean casserole. I've got some sweet potatoes with marshmallows. I've got rolls. I've got literally piled up on my plate. And I go walking out of the kitchen and of course, split level home, there's a half of a staircase that goes down and another half that goes up. Well, I go to go downstairs and I, I hit the steps and I'm wearing nothing but socks and my feet slip out from under me and I go falling down these five or six steps and the food is literally everywhere. It is all over the walls. It is all over the stairs. It is all over me. And I've got my entire family, cousins, uh, grandparents, everybody is laughing hysterically at little Corey falling down the stairs, spilling food everywhere. So my mom comes running over, trying not to be angry, cleans me up, cleans the walls, cleans the carpet, cleans the railing of the stairs. It's probably taken 20 minutes just to clean up the mess that I made. I go back in the kitchen wiping tears from my eyes and I get another plate of food. I go through the line again and I heap it even higher, turkey and dressing and mashed potatoes and mac and cheese and that white trash green bean casserole and those rolls. And I go to leave the kitchen again and I hit that top step and did the same thing <laughs> all over again. Food everywhere and from that day on, I learned the importance of proper footwear in the kitchen. <laughs> wow. Um, did you get to eat at all? I did finally get to eat. My mom was not as happy to clean up the mess the second time. Uh, I think I cried for probably a half an hour out of embarrassment and out of, you know, just being in trouble because I was the kid that just made a mess twice. But I did finally eat. But that's my, my, my favorite Thanksgiving story. And um, I hope you all have a, a wonderful Thanksgiving with your families. Are you now more um, understanding if a customer drops and spills things in your restaurant? I, I am. It's, it's never something that we actually really want, but it happens. And, uh, you know, you clean it up, you make the best of it, and you don't cry over spilt milk. And one last thing I'm asking everybody, what are you thankful for this year? It's been a hell of a year. 
You know, this has been a, a not only this hell of a year, but on the on the heels of a hell of a year last year, I, I'm thankful to still be able to do what I love. I, I think most of us in this business very easily could have lost everything uh, in the middle of this pandemic. And I'm I'm thankful that our doors are still open and I still get to get to connect with other human beings over food and beverage, which is the single greatest way to do so. And speaking of the stress that comes with family holidays, I do realize that for some people, there are bigger things to worry about than some spilled food. Coordinating things with family members or ex-family members can certainly make you crazy. If that's where your head's at right now, I'm hoping this story from our friend Ken Heck, owner of Chinglish Cantonese Wine Bar and Kosher Chinglish, might inspire you to make the best of a bad situation and perhaps create something beautiful. So Thanksgiving is a real special thing at my family and, and our favorite holiday of the year because it started as the worst. And so it's this, um, you know, one of those like superhero recovery stories, right? You know, what's your redemption arc? And uh, so we started out, um, it was a great normal Thanksgiving, had two, you know, wife, two kids, got divorced. I didn't get the kids for Thanksgiving. I, I asked for the Jewish religious holidays and she got Christmas and Thanksgiving. So I never saw them on Thanksgiving, except for they would wake up in the morning, we'd have breakfast, I'd shower them, dress them and send them off to have Thanksgiving with their mother's family. And so the first year after the divorce, I woke up and we had a bowl of cereal and it was just all out, just depressing. It was awful. And I, you know, I got them showered, I got them dressed, I told them how much I loved them and they should have a good time. And, and I sent them off and I sat there and I promised myself, I'm not going out like this again. This is never gonna happen again. And I, I had missed an opportunity to create a memory and I wasn't gonna do it again. So the following year, they woke up at 8.30. They don't know, but I was up already at 4 a.m. baking a turkey, or I roasted a turkey. I was outside barbecuing ribs and chicken legs and, and I made, um, I took Halloween candy, dried it out, crushed it up in a Ziploc bag and sprinkled it over pancakes. So they had candy pancakes, they had cinnamon chip French toast, they had chocolate fondue, they had brownies, they had cinnamon bars, they had, they had milkshakes, they had bacon and eggs. They had, you, you can imagine anything a kid would like, whether it's breakfast, lunch, dinner, Thanksgiving, any meal. Uh, you know, my kids were Jewish. They loved matzo ball soup. There was matzo ball soup. There was everything on the table you could imagine at 8.30 in the morning. And you would, you would think you know, we're Jewish. I've never come out and I've never had the experience of opening up presents on a Christmas morning. But I've seen in MTV with the eyes of the kid who comes out and sees the tree and the presents and their eyes go wide and they just jump in with, with reckless abandon. My two kids at six and four years old, completely wide-eyed, Oh my God, I can't believe, where did all this come from? And they saw me with my apron on and they, they just dove in with both hands and they told me I was their favorite parent. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I, I never played that game, right? I, you, you should love me, you should love your mother and that should be good. But it, it, it just became such yeah. a special experience. And uh, I called my mom 
who was, you know, a few miles away. And I said, Mom, she goes, what are you calling so early for? I said, I, I need you to come over. She goes, why? I said, well, I don't know how to describe this. Why don't you just come on over? And my mom is a traditionalist. You eat your, you eat your salad, you eat your entree, you eat your dessert. I was always a dessert, dessert pers- first person, and she, that, that drove, drives her nuts. Um, I said, Mom, I kind of did a thing. I want you to come over. She goes, well, let me get some coffee first. I said, nope, I got coffee. She goes, well, let me eat something. Please don't eat anything. She goes, what did you do? I said, you got to just see this. So she walked in and looked at me. And she goes, you're either a genius or a moron. (laughs) But either way, I've never been more proud of you. And so every year, year after year, we kept it going. And the the one rule about Thanksgiving was I never told the kids no. If they wanted a dish to add to last year's menu, because it never got smaller, it was always last year's plus we want to add this. And whatever this is, the answer was always yes. And then years go by and, you know, we're bringing in the neighbors, we're bringing in, the kids are now inviting friends. Um, I'm bringing in my friends, now I'm dating Kitty and, and her parents are coming by and bringing dumplings and hot and sour soup and chow mein. So now it's this multicultural thing and it, it just grew every year year after year up until right before COVID and it was 78 people in a 2400 square foot house and we had all these people and you know we we had the Bloody Marys and we had the mimosas and you started at 9 30 in the morning you put the first round out you put the second round out at 11 and then by one two o'clock I'm done serving and we're all sitting on the couch watching football and drinking Bloody Marys until everyone goes back to their family to their own Thanksgiving holidays. And so we took a year off for COVID, unfortunately. But for this year, we told everyone in our family, we're doing it at Chinglish, come on down. Um, and we priced it under break even because it's a bad day to make money. In my, you know, in my experience, in my tradition, you don't make money on people on Thanksgiving, you share love. And so um, we have this breakfast, brunch, buffet. We have bottomless mimosa and Bloody Marys. And and it's my Bloody Marys. I'm cooking that day. Dad's cooking the Chinese foods. I'm cooking the turkeys. I'm cooking the pecan bars. But so it's really my family tradition and it's still going on to this day. Cool, is that open to the public? Uh, Yeah, it's open to the public. Although if you're not my family, you do have to pay. (laughs) But my family is is here and they're all coming and and they're not paying. But you know, everyone else it's uh, it's fifty dollars for for the buffet, twenty twenty five dollar for bottomless drinks. For those who may be listening to this after that brunch has passed on Thanksgiving Day, what do you have planned at Chinglish for Thanksgiving weekend? Anything special? The regular deal? Are you closing down to give people off? What's Thanksgiving weekend gonna be like here at Chinglish? Well, we're closing down Thanksgiving after three, so all of our family can go and do whatever it is they want to do. Although we're doing something for staff that night if they don't have family to celebrate Thanksgiving with. Uh, But then for the rest of the weekend, we have a brunch on Sunday, uh, but nothing really special because everyone's fighting for your time. Go and be with everybody else, support local businesses. Thursday, Thanksgiving Day brunch, that's where we're at. And uh, we're, we're big on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. I mean, cause like it's Chinese food and you know, everyone knows Chinese food for Christmas. 
right? Baruch, Baruch Hashem. <laughs> cool. Um, look, I've, I know you well enough to know that you're somebody who counts their blessings, who appreciates, and who is thankful. This year, as we go into Thanksgiving, what are you thankful for? Oh, my goodness. I, I'm thankful for the people who, who care about my family. So, you know, I love my kids. And, and you know, Sarah, I love you. I miss you. Um, ben, I love you, too. But I love my wife, I love my kids, I love my parents, I love my family. But what, what shocked me over the last 12 to 14 months is the number of people that we met through Chinglish, who are employees, who are guests, who are vendors, who genuinely care about us. People who, you know, when we call them and say, hey, by the way, you know, we're short on this product, and a vendor gets in the car and goes and picks it up and brings it to us, that's not their job. Or when a guest comes in and says, hey, I see there's not a lot of people here tonight, and they call 20 of their friends and invite them to come to the bar and fill up our bar on a Tuesday night. I mean, to see people who really care about us or who want to interact with mom and dad and show love and respect, it's amazing. So I know it sounds corny, but I'm, I'm thankful for the people who kept this going. I've got to say, if I were in Las Vegas this Thanksgiving, I would definitely attend Ken and Kitty's brunch over at Chinglish. Maybe next year. Next up, Chef Stacy Dugan, who is one of Las Vegas' top plant-based chefs. She recently closed her vegan restaurant, Simply Pure, in the downtown Container Park. But I'm hoping to have some news on a new location to share with you soon, so stay tuned for that. Chef Stacy is also an expert on cooking with cannabis and the founder of IA Brands, which produces cannabis edibles. Um, they made those great kale chips Rick Moonen and I loved when we sampled them on this podcast. You may remember that. Uh, nice, nice savory snack. So um, we may be talking a little bit about cannabis in this segment, but not really a lot. Anyway, if you're listening to this as you're cooking your own Thanksgiving dinner and perhaps panicking a little because your planning was a bit off, her story should make you feel a little better, knowing the same thing happens to the pros. Thanksgiving is a really big time for us. It's the biggest catering day of the year. It's the time when people eat the most. And so I really um, thought or I knew when I was designing Simply Pure and designing the catering that I wanted to focus on Thanksgiving specifically. And also because there was no one doing Thanksgiving dinner vegan in Las Vegas. So um, I decided that I was going to start and uh, I didn't have a prep kitchen at the time. <laughs> so I had to start somewhere. So where do most people start? At their home. <laughs> so I um, got all the ingredients that I needed, that I thought I needed. I say I thought I needed because I ended up having to go to the store because you're just not as organized when you first start, especially as a caterer. People don't understand food service is really hard, <laughs> especially in the beginning when you don't know what you're doing. So um, you would make a list, but of course you wouldn't know like how much you needed exactly of potatoes for mashed potatoes. And so um, I ended up being in the kitchen and me and one of my best friends at the time stayed up. I think we started cooking the night before Thanksgiving at like 
three in the afternoon and we didn't finish until people were picking up their orders at like noon the next day. We literally stayed up all night. I have never been that tired in my life. We had, and then we had too much. There wasn't enough space because I wasn't in this house. I was in a town home. So there was, we were literally like on the kitchen floor with big pots and we were just stirring and falling asleep and trying to do everything that we could. We had these, um, just to stay awake to get the meals done. We had these um, dinner rolls we had never cooked before. That's another thing. When you're cooking for a lot of people, make sure that you test the product first. <laughs> so we didn't do that. We had these dinner rolls that we thought were going to be so great, and they ended up looking like big, like almost like pancakes that just <laughs> blew up. Like it was terrible. And so we ended up having to to cut them in half. And the dinners didn't look like how I had envisioned, but I also didn't have a plan. So, you know, we didn't really have that much of a plan. And so it was just us really just trying to figure it out. Blood, sweat, and tears. I'm talking about we're taking five-minute cat naps. Okay, get up. We got to make the gravy. Okay, get up. We got to make sweet potato pie. Like, and then who puts all that stuff on the menu? That's another thing. You think you can make all these things in this certain amount of time because you don't have the experience. And you're sitting there and you're like, oh, my gosh. Like, I cannot believe that I said I was going to make all this food. And so we're scrambling. People are coming to pick up their orders and we're still boxing up stuff. It was just really wild. And... So now moving forward, I'm so thankful because I look forward to Thanksgiving. I'm super organized. I have a team. I have a prep kitchen. We have everything in order. Everything is online now. <laughs> like you don't even. And that was another thing. I didn't have it. So when people had to place their orders, they would have to call me. So here I am doing the shopping, the prepping, the cooking, taking the orders, taking the money, taking. You just too much. You know, you're just like and you're just all over the place. It was just so like uh, just confusion and disorganization. But I will say this, that there are some people who purchased Thanksgiving meals from me that first year. And that was about seven years ago. Who still rock with me to this day? So, so it must so, have been good. Yes, yes. So it was good, but it was just hard to do. You know, like it was unnecessarily hard to do. Do not try to cook a big Thanksgiving meal for all these people in your kitchen. It's just not, you know. But we didn't have a prep kitchen at the time. What were we gonna do? You know, and we couldn't do it at re the restaurant. Simply Pure was open, mm -hmm. but we couldn't do it there because look how small that space was. Yeah. So. Let me ask you a question because I'm that first of all, thank you so much for sharing that story. That's great. And I'm sure as some people maybe right this morning are um, running around their kitchen and they got the whole family coming over and they're probably in that same place. So it's nice to, to know that you survived it and they're going to survive it as well. Yes. A quick question since you are my vegan chef and I think the only vegan chef I have on this episode. What happens if somebody wakes up this morning? It's it's we're on Thanksgiving morning and they just got told. Oh, I'm bringing my boyfriend or girlfriend, and he or she is a vegan. Um, what would your quickest substitution be, that, day of? That's a good question. My quickest substitution would be probably running down to the store and getting that tofurkey <laughs> out of that. That Go and get in the tofurkey. If you have to go to the store. Go to the store, get mm -hmm. the, the vegan tofurkey loaf, and you can throw that in the oven. It does take 
if we if you got the call the day of, yeah, I think you, I, I think it may take some time to to thaw out, but you know, figure it out, put it in the microwave, whatever you got to do. But no um, good substitution you could throw, like something they could throw into the potatoes instead of butter and make them good, oh, yeah, or something yeah, yeah. they can. Of course, of course, I didn't know what you meant by yeah. substitution. Okay, yeah, if you if if you have baked uh, mashed potatoes and gravy instead of doing a regular butter, just do you can do olive oil. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do I did a no oil um, mashed potato before that was pretty good and. Or you can just run down the sprouts of Whole Foods or whatever and just get uh, uh, some, you know, earth balance, you know, vegan margarine or something like that. If you have, um, what else do people eat? Macaroni and cheese? Then you just have to come get your macaroni and cheese from me, honey, because I make the best vegan macaroni and cheese. Well, I don't think they're going to come to you this morning. And I wouldn't, after that story, I'm not going to tell them to. So uh, one last question, Chef, and thanks so much. Um, What are you thankful for this year? We've been through a lot over the past 12 months. Yeah, um... I am thankful for my family because they really helped me through this time. My brother's here, actually, um, visiting from Atlanta. Um, I am thankful for my health. Um, I'm thankful for my ability to focus on my happiness and maintain my peace and the uh a peaceful energy around me you know i'm thankful to to be able to to control that i feel very in control of my life and i think in a time when people don't feel as in control i'm thankful for that and i'm hoping to use my life as an example you know to help people with that and then let me ask you this because you are also one of um one of the best cannabis chefs that i know Good idea or bad idea to try to sprinkle a little bit of um of THC oil into a, into a dish this Thanksgiving and is there anything that would be the most receptive to that assuming you tell everybody of course Absolutely first of all great idea because I will be doing that trust so I do you know consume cannabis I consume cannabis every day but Thanksgiving um definitely drop feel free to drop a little oil if you want to contact you know me through Al or whatever we sell I sell coconut oil and olive oil infused um and uh you know yeah just have some fun with it you know this thanksgiving guys don't stress out that's what i want to stress to people like don't stress out at this holiday season you already been through enough stress if you don't feel like cooking then find somebody to cook your food you can come through me you can go through this there's other people that are doing thanksgiving dinners um make it a potluck you only make one dish make everybody bring things because i know some people are like oh i'm gonna get in the kitchen and make all this stuff and they're stressed out and running around and don't do that to yourself this year like, have fun. Let's go into this holiday season with ease, you know, and, and really plan it out how, how you want to see it. If you want to be around people, fine. If you don't want to make it small, fine. You know, our house is always the house of, uh, of where families come, where our family comes from the West Coast. So, you know, we'll, be, we'll have a few people here and it'll be, it'll be cool. I'm with Chef Stacy on that main point. Don't stress out. Although you may want to at least concentrate on what you're doing. Uh, Maybe not. Uh, Okay, look, that brings me to my story. Um, I'm going to get mine out of the way now before we get to Rick's because Rick has um, Rick Moonen has a a beautiful story to tell. Mine is really stupid. So let's start with this one. Um, We're going all the way back to around 1989 ish. I had just moved in with my wife, Sue. We were in Garfield, New Jersey. I was finishing up. I believe I was in my senior year at Seton Hall University at the time. Um, it was our first Thanksgiving together, and we were going to go someplace else for dinner on Thanksgiving, but my wife, Sue, is one of those people who really, really loves um, having traditional Thanksgiving dinners. 
I'm not big on it. I attribute that to the fact that I came from a really, really large family and kind of like what Corey Harwell was talking about, kids ate last sort of. And because of that, things were always cold and picked over by the time they got to me. So I don't know. I mean, I have great family memories of being with people at Thanksgiving, but the food is just not something that stands out in my mind. And it's not my mom's cooking because it was whether we went to grandma's or aunt's houses. It wasn't for me. But my wife huge, huge um, Thanksgiving, traditional Thanksgiving dinner with all the fixings fans. And um, she likes to have it left over. So even though we were going to, I believe, a cousin's or somebody's for Thanksgiving dinner, we decided we were going to make a turkey. And this is, again, 1989-ish. I don't know if they still do this because we don't make our own turkeys. You'll find out why soon. Uh, But in the old days, if you did some shopping in your grocery store and you spent a certain amount of money, they had great deals on turkeys around Thanksgiving. It's like, you know, nine cents a pound or something ridiculous. So, you know, Sue wanted to make sure she had Thanksgiving leftovers for the entire weekend. So we bought a big ass turkey. I don't know, 20 pounds. I, I don't even know what a big turkey is, to be honest. Um, you know, I order off menus, but it, it was big. And it was like one of those deals where it was going to take four or five hours to make. Right. Which is just always struck me as odd. Um, so, you know, we're like, OK, buy this big ass turkey. Look at the directions. Put in oven, you know take out of oven in five hours, whatever the hell the instructions were. And yeah, you guys can hear I'm not a, I'm not a cook or a chef. Uh, so anyway, we, we tossed this turkey in the oven the night before Thanksgiving so that we would have it done that night. And then the next day when we came home, we'd have leftovers. Uh, but the Wednesday before Thanksgiving is also one of Sue's favorite nights to go out. So we were living about 15 minutes outside of Manhattan, like right uh, Garfield, New Jersey, right through the Lincoln Tunnel. And um, our friends Maureen and Kevin were in Manhattan visiting some relatives. So we're like, ah, screw it. Let's drive in. Let's go see Maureen and Kevin. Turkey in the oven. Okay, turkey in the oven and um, ferrets running around the house. But that's a whole other story. And we uh, we get in the car, we drive over, we're, we're having some cocktails, we're having a good old time, catching up with friends. Um, and then at some point, they're like, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? But, you know, story goes as it does. And we say, yeah, we're, we're cooking the turkey now. And they look at us, like, with their eyes go wide, and they're like, what do you mean you're cooking the turkey now? And we're like, yeah, you know, it takes four or five hours. We throw it in the oven, and we're here. Like, you can't do that. You can't do that. People look horrified, right? Clearly people who cook for, you know, they, they know what they're doing. Um, so we're like, why? Why not? Why, why can't I? And they're like, well, how are you going to baste it? Like, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 21 years old. I've never cooked for myself. And I look at them, I'm like, what do you mean baste? What do you mean basted? And they're like, well, you know, when you take when the, all the juices get caught up in the um, the basting pan that you have your turkey in, and you got to take that that little thing, and you and I'm like, oh, well, that we we don't have that problem. We don't have a basting pan. And they look at me and they're like, well, well what are you cooking your turkey on? I'm like in the oven? What the hell do you think I'm cooking it on? And they're like, well, how'd you put it in there? Just on the oven rack? And you know, thinking I'm all clever as shit, I'm like, no, man, I put it on a cookie sheet. Like you, you put your turkey on a cookie sheet and you left it in a separate state. It's in New Jersey and you're in Manhattan and you're, you're, you're tur- no, go home, go home right now. People just start freaking out. They're like, you got to drive home. You got to go home. You're going to burn your house down. It's going to be, oh my God, it's a nightmare. So we drive home and we get there. And um, I think I can see the ferrets running around the window of our second story apartment. And it looks like there's a fire in the apartment. It's smoky as hell. Then I realize I'm looking at it. It's not like, doesn't really look like a fire. 
looks like there's a thunderstorm in my apartment. I mean, I swear, I think there's like um, uh, precipitation forming on the windows. I don't know. I didn't take meteorology, but it, it was weird. We ran in. We pulled the turkey out of the oven, destroyed the oven. The, the entire house was filled with smoke. Um, lo and behold, the turkey was beautiful. I mean, it, it was a fantastic turkey. Ruined the oven. We did not get our security deposit back on our first apartment, and that was specifically because of that oven that needed to be replaced. I don't think we ever cooked in it again. Um, but we 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 had a damn good turkey. So the weird thing was the the, the good follow up, just to give you a glimpse into our lives. So we we tragedy averted, but it was still Wednesday night. We still wanted to go out and party. We called my friend Mike and, or maybe he came over the house. Um, and we're like, Oh man, yeah, let's go back out. Cause you know, it's Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. He's like, well, my girlfriend's his girlfriend by the time at the time was a stripper. And, um, she was working in a strip club in New Jersey. And yes, the strip clubs in New Jersey, they are just like the bada bing. If you're a Sopranos fan. And so we all went over to the strip club to see his girlfriend and, um, she got off work and we were sitting in the club and we were all talking and at some point she's like does it smell like turkey in here yeah that was us because we hadn't changed so that my friends is my thanksgiving story and no matter how stupid or poor a chef you are you cannot do anything dumber than that so um enjoy thanksgiving and also with a little message on how you should enjoy thanksgiving and why you should enjoy thanksgiving and why you should really really be thankful to have um the important people in your lives around you if you're lucky enough to have them and never take that for granted, I'm going to cut to um, to my good friend Rick Moonen. Bilal, the uh, most significant Thanksgiving in my entire life was in 2019. So let me tell you the story. My sister Kathy lives in Wildwood, New Jersey, with her husband Dennis, and, and they had three kids and uh, nieces and nephews. She was diagnosed with um, esophageal cancer in uh, March of 2019. And she's going through the battle, the cancer battle and everything, going back and forth. But things were just not working out for her. She's on her way home and they found tumors up and down her spine and everything else. So I'm sitting around with my wife, Ronnie, in the backyard of this very location. And uh, we had a bonfire going and I'm sitting there and I'm drinking bourbon and I'm crying. I just can't believe that, you know, this is happening to my sister. You know, she's an angel. And um, I just, I was at a loss to know what to do, you know. And so my wife, sorry, it's very emotional. My wife, Ronnie, turns to me and she says, why don't we just fly everybody on all the miles that you have, your family, and just have the biggest and most memorable Thanksgiving ever. And that's exactly what had happened. She called, well, she, she said she was going to pay for it. <laughs> And I said, no, no way, man. This is we're gonna do this, you know. This and this is when the, our family was pretty scattered. Large family it used to be seven kids, and my brother Bob passed away a long time ago. So um, this is really important to me that bringing the family together. It's the only thing we can give her, you know. When you're looking at somebody that's suffering like that and you're just broken down over the whole thing, the one thing you can give them is the love and the, and the companionship of your family. So. A house was available, a huge house, you know, so we, I, we housed everybody, my whole family. And we ended up with a, a, a Thanksgiving dinner table of 22 people. Uh, my wife, Ronnie, and I had two, this had two kitchens. One kitchen became like the satellite kitchen where everybody can go in and get snacks and drinks, et cetera. They weren't bothering you. Then I had this tiny little kitchen that, well, <laughs> we had to go to the dollar store and stock it. 
you know, everything. We just pantried it up, pots and pans, a bunch of aluminum throwaways, you know, the ones that are using catering and stuff. And we got two turkeys, and I'm thawing them out in the bathtub. So I have the bedroom that's right next to the kitchen, right? So I was, there's one of those clawed, those lion claw bathtubs, filled it up with water, and the birds are in there. <laughs> you know, so we're thawing these things out. And so we got the whole menu planned, you know. And, my, and I had my sous chefs or my brother, Chuck, he used to work for me at the water club years ago in, in the kitchen. And my, uh, my godson, uh, Jamie, who's, a, who's an angel, you know. And uh, we're going shopping. And I said, you know, I said, go get some garlic. And they come back with like four heads. I'm like, four heads, 22 people. I said, get 24 heads. And he's like, 24 heads? Who's going to be peeling all that garlic? <laughs> Guess who ended up peeling all the garlic? Jamie. <laughs> you know, that was, and the, and the, uh, the entire family, you know, a little disjointed, you know, the usual dysfunctionalities and families, all of that went away over this event. Um, everybody's moving furniture. We had to make a table large enough to seat 22. There was an area for, we were dancing. We're playing drunk, drunken uh, card games at the end of the, uh, at the end of the night. And, um, well, the catering pans and the, <laughs> I'm just writing down some, these notes that, that my wife just wrote for me. Just so I don't forget these little details, but, the thing that was, you know, the turkey was great. The gravy came out wonderful. Everything was amazing. We made pans of lasagna for the next day because, you know, everybody's staying there and we have to have dinner the next day and we're all hanging out on the porch, porch that wrapped around the entire place, drinking, talking, telling stories. It was just, and when my sister arrived up the stairs, she came. Everybody was just so happy to see her. She was nothing but smiles the whole time. And at the end of the night, or actually before we had dinner, we all held hands, you know, as a big family, you know, and uh, went around the table saying what we were thankful for. Knowing that this is our sister Kathy's last Thanksgiving. And everybody was incredibly honest. It was just uh, one of the most heartfelt, delicious, memorable Thanksgivings of my life. And to be thankful, that's what thanks is. I, I, I got to say thank you for sharing that. Um, <laughs> you got, I think you got me teared up. I think you got Rich, um, uh, Rich teared up as well. And you know, as so many of us go to um, to be with our families this Thanksgiving, I think you've de just demonstrated what we all have to be thankful for is that that we have that opportunity. I, I have to assume you're thankful that you had that. I'm not going to even ask you to share any more than what you've done. Mm -hmm. Is there anything particularly that you're thankful for this year that you want to share before we? Kind well, well, I'm a, this is, you know, the husband talking about his wife, but she brought my family together. She did. Second marriage, you know, the family goes, oh, and they judge. You know, nine years ago we got married, and uh, my family brought, they just put, brought them into their arms, embraced her, and she organized the whole thing. She was in touch with every member of the family, and there's there's you know, 22 people at the end of this thing. It's a lot of people at a table, you know. Mm -hmm. And she did it all. So what I'm most thankful for is is my wife, my life. I'm the happiest I've ever been in my life. My job, everything that's going on. I'm, there's no anxiety in my life, and I get to be creative with uh, cooking all the time. Inviting friends over to the house to share the. The, the fruits of the labor that I need to do as a, as a profession. And um, I don't know how things could possibly be better. And I'm so thankful for that.
Yeah, it's tough to follow that. All I can say is that it makes me realize how lucky I am to be able to spend this holiday with my family this year. And I am thankful for it and for everybody who um, who shared Thanksgiving stories so that I could get out of town and be with the people I love this holiday. I am also very thankful for the amazing Las Vegas food and beverage community and the fact that so many of you have allowed me into your world for so many years. I do love and appreciate you all. And of course, of course, I am thankful for Rich Johnson, without whom there would be no food and loathing. He makes this happen, and I could not ask for a better partner in crime. Finally, just to leave you on a note about food, I will share two little newsy items to end this session. Miracle on Spring Mountain is now officially underway at the Sand Dollar Lounge, so you can head over there to ho-ho-ho it up. And Friday, November 26th, is the launch of a holiday experience called Enchant at the Las Vegas Ballpark over by downtown Summerlin. That one includes a Christmas light maze, an ice skating trail, visits with Santa and Mrs. Claus in the children's play place, and Christmas Village, which will be home to local retail vendors and F&B vendors. The latter includes some of my favorite local restaurateurs, including Cafe Lola, St. Honery, Pizza Anonymous, Benya, Cured and Way, Secret Creamery, Pachamamas, which is the skewer concept by Mary Sue Milliken and Susan Feniger that you may know from Allegiant Stadium. Also, Penny Pop Popcorn and Tingle Labs, who I think are the same people behind that slider spot next to Star Piano Bar that I like so much. It sounds like a fun event over at the ballpark. I spoke with Jordan Birch of Enchant about what those food vendors bring to the experience. Here's what he told me. And it's really important that every Enchant event is reflective of the community that we are in. So it's a very valuable part of our experience to highlight and to host amazing local food and beverage vendors. Um, so we're super excited to be working with Beignet, to be working with Cafe Lola, to be working with Pizza Anonymous, and so many of these amazing vendors that, uh, that, that are coming to be a part of Enchant. They are not only bringing their expertise and amazing recipes, they're also creating Enchant-specific versions of different things so that they can create a unique experience for all of our guests. And that is it for this very special holiday episode of Food and Loathing. We will have a new episode for you in the early morning hours of December 3rd. That's back to our Friday release schedule. And it's also in the midst of Hanukkah. So we will be discussing kosher cuisine in general and in Las Vegas. And please tell a friend about Food and Loathing and say nice things about us, especially on Apple Podcasts. But even if you don't want to do that, we do want your feedback and your likes and your retweets. Find everything you need to know about that on my website, theneonmohawk.com. I am Al Mancini for Rich Johnson, reminding you to stay hungry even on Thanksgiving.